What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a new episode of the Triflix Cast. I'm Tristan Watkins, and this is the show where we interview creatives and innovators within um, the local community, but we also bring in some people from a little bit farther every once in a while. Yeah. Today we have special guest Colin Ebel from uh, B-Town. He's uh, a lot of media management, a lot of video, some photography work. So in a way, we're competitors, but uh, because of the distance, we still like to send each other work whenever mm -hmm. we're a little overbooked. Uh, whenever people from outside our region, we like to send each other some clientele. But uh, I actually, I, people might be more interested in understanding how we originally met and why it is the two competitors might be able to have good business relations. Right. Um, honestly, when was the first? The, well, the first time we met was probably at the wedding, first time we officially met, but I think we had seen each other in passing at yeah. church and yeah, so we, maybe at the soccer fields. I had a friend that was doing, uh, that was getting married, and I was in the wedding, so obviously I couldn't shoot that myself. And I've seen some of his work prior throughout high school and all, uh, and I recommended him for this shoot. And even though we had recommended jobs back and forth leading up to that point, that was the first time we actually met in mm -hmm. person, even though we had been sending clients for probably a year or two leading up to that. Right. Point. I felt like I knew you before I before I had even <laughs> met you in yeah. person. So Yeah. I mean, whenever you work with artists, a lot of times if you see someone's work enough, you can tell a little bit about the individual. Mm -hmm. uh, you seem like a very aesthetic dude. Uh, Thank you. Very well dressed, very dapper. And I uh, appreciate that. Yeah, of course, man. And his videos reflect that, like his content reflects that. And uh, I hope uh, I hope people can see that through as well. Um, but as far as who you are and the line of work that you're in, could you run us like a little bit through your background story and how how you got into media development and all this? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm 23 years old. I graduated from Indiana University back in May. Uh, I majored in media advertising, which was not exactly cinematography or video production. It was more like if you were going to work in an ad agency in the creative department. Um, and that's honestly what I thought I would do going into college. I thought I wanted to do marketing, and everyone knows IU has the Kelly School of Business. Mm -hmm. um, but I quickly realized when I got there and the classes I had to take that it was more analytical side of business. Um, and then I took a couple classes in the media school at IU, which was actually brand new. Mm -hmm. uh, they had combined the journalism school um, into the media school and made it really nice. And I instantly loved that, and I was like, yes, this is what I was looking for, like the creative side of marketing. Um, and so graduated with a degree in media advertising and along the way uh, was doing video and photo work just as a hobby. In 2017, I started my business and formed an LLC just to do side work mm -hmm. um, along outside of school. And uh, it picked up enough to where I was doing it full time upon graduation. And uh, I got married in last May, May of 2018. And so my wife and I, we bought a house up in Indianapolis. Um, and that's where we live now. And I'm running my own, my own company, Evil Media. So that's, yeah, that's Evil what's Media. Going on. Yep. So you, you live up in Indy now, mm -hmm. but yeah. you service primarily B-Town and right. a little bit of Indy as yep. well. Mm -hmm. So is that a Indy. daily commute for you? Not, not always a daily. I would say two to three times a week going to Bloomington. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of my days are editing at home. So, yeah. And, uh, occasional work in Indy, but yeah, it's Bloomington a lot since I left. Yeah, that's good. It sounds like it was blowing up for you as well. As soon as you left, like that was when all your clientele started picking up as well. Yeah. And honestly, you know, there was times where there was self-doubt when I graduated and I wasn't seeking or applying for other jobs. 
Um, in the spring, I kind of told myself if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in now instead of kind of be hesitant about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went all in on it and then it was going well. And then there was times where it was slow where I was like, is this really what I should be doing? And was kind of looking at, um, at jobs within companies and applied to a couple. Um, but then it got really busy and I was like, well, I'm glad I didn't, I didn't accept a job offer because, I wouldn't have been able to take on the workload that I was getting. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's exciting. I, I'm, it's always exciting anytime you see someone creative or an artist with a, a decent background and a little bit of heart and see their that go from that self-doubt to building a clientele where, you know, they're self-sustaining and mm-hmm. they can manage all this on their own. Uh, now, you'd mentioned you got married recently. What has been uh, your relationship with your wife as far as like the business aspect um, does she help you with that at all? Does she encourage you? Is she like, she's always team? been great. She's been my number one supporter all throughout. Um, even the times when I was like, I'm not sure if I could do this. She was always there to encourage me. Um, and I think that also helps that she's an entrepreneur herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also self-employed. And so we both work from home pretty much every day. So we're around each other a lot. Yeah. Um, what type of work does she do? So she does social media marketing for small businesses, and mm-hmm. then she also just started a uh, a candle business, which I'll pl- I'll plug that at the end. Um, so she's a candle maker and a social media marketer. Yeah, that's that's a very intricate background, but at least she yeah. gets to use that uh, or her basis of like that media management and mm-hmm. advertising to promote. I'm sure her own business, but does she help you with advertising as well? Yeah, she does, and she she graduated from Kelly, um, and so. We've a few of her clients that needed video work. She'll obviously recommend me. And so we've had some crossover in our work, which is always nice. Yeah. You said that when you went to school, you had uh, started taking some courses that kind of overlap with the creative side. And you realized the analytical wasn't necessarily for you. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what one of your first projects were either the first one you did for free or the first one you did for fun it it definitely was it was a school project I would say is what I figured out and it was within the media school uh, where we would do ad campaigns and Mm -hmm. they would give us a company and a task and we would have to come up with a deck and everything and um, that's when I realized and I did really well on the project and it was fun to me and it didn't even seem like schoolwork I was like this this is awesome and Um, so I would definitely say it was an ad campaign class. Um, and then when I kind of realized that I was more wanting to do the hands-on video side after college, um, I interned in New York city two summers ago, Mm -hmm. um, for a global ad agency. And it was a really great experience. And I think that the one thing I learned from that is that I could work in an agency, but I'd much rather be doing the actual video work as opposed to hiring out the video work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a really good experience as well. Yeah. So when it, what is, um, for people who don't understand, myself included, what all is entailed at working at an ad agency for a, in a huge city? Like mm-hmm. what, what type of work do you do? It was different every day, which was nice. Um, and I didn't know all going into it because I was studying it in school. So you only, you know, hear what it's like. And then kind of being thrown into there, um, we were having meetings at the New York Times building, working on projects with them, uh, working on projects uh, with Vox and other media companies and had clients like Uber, Shell, Snickers. And so really the coolest thing was sitting in on the meetings uh, with these companies. But day to day, it's just, you know, um, servicing the clients, a lot of a lot of meetings, 
uh, setting up video shoots, coming up with a lot of brainstorming too, brainstorming mm -hmm. sessions. Um, one of the first ones when I got there was Uber was undergoing some PR disaster uh, a couple years ago. And so they were, they needed a campaign that showed that they were kind of turning the corner as a company. Um, and so that's, that's really kind of what it is, is just coming up with ad campaigns and then executing them and seeing them through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, very different than making videos, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And what's, um, since you've started your own company, what has been like the staple for you as far as content creation? Is it mostly real estate or what type of market do you primarily focus mm -hmm. on? I try to focus mostly on event photography and videography. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I do a lot of real estate as well. Uh, back in February, I wanted to find something that was a good niche that I could, that I knew I could get into. And I was like, I'm going to really try and get real estate clients. And so I sent out over a hundred emails, which was a recommendation from my wife, Lauren. She was like, you got to send out a hundred emails a day and you're bound to get people to respond. Um, and I got connected with a real estate company that had over 45 agents. Um, and so doing a lot of, uh, listing videos and photos for them. Yeah. That's like the Gary V principle where in basically people will come to him and explain their situation and why it's not fair and how they haven't made it and et cetera. But his philosophy is until you've reached out to every contact in your email and your cell phone, you don't have an excuse. So, right. you know, if you're sending out a hundred a day, like that's, that's pretty like high as far as like the expectations go. Mm -hmm. right? That's really good. And also I would say just starting out for me, I haven't been picky on the jobs that I take in because I really couldn't afford to. Mm -hmm. um, and I just know that taking any type of jobs uh, that I can get will help in the long run with building up a portfolio. And that was kind of the biggest thing too, was when I was in college, I was trying my best to build up my portfolio so that I could potentially, you know, start, start taking on paying jobs after college. And mm -hmm. so I've been lucky to, to have that. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about like what your company is and how you got here moving forward though. What are, what have been your do you have current goals or are you starting to set some goals for yourself? Because if you're going from taking any job to being somewhat successful, you're, you're staying busy. What, what is the next step for you? Yeah, I would say doing more stuff and being able to be more picky with the jobs that I take on. Um, recently got into doing sports videography, mm -hmm. uh, got connected with a website that does IU content mm -hmm. um, and they have media passes for all the sporting events. And they had reached out to me and were like, hey, uh, we'd like to start doing some video content. Would you be interested? And I'm a huge sports fan, huge mm -hmm. IU sports fan. So I was like, absolutely, yes. Um, and so I would say that my some goals that I'm setting, I would like to do more sports stuff, um, paid. Uh, <laughs> and then, That's important. I mean, it, it, right now, some of the stuff I'm doing is just for fun, uh, building up my sports portfolio. Um, but definitely I would say that, and I would like after the wedding that you recommended, I was so reluctant originally to get into weddings, mm -hmm. um, just because of, I don't know, stuff that I had heard that probably wasn't even true about, oh, you got to deal with bridezillas and all this stuff. It, it and, can be that way at times, but most of the, in the yeah. Midwest, at least it seems like most of them are really laid back that I've worked with. Yeah. Probably a little bit different than East coast or yeah, West coast, yeah. but, <laughs> um, but I, I really enjoyed the wedding. And so probably try and get in, get into more wedding videography. And 
I haven't really looked long-term because I feel like I start to think about what my plans are going to be or what's going to happen. And then it just takes a 90 degree turn and mm-hmm. it was God had a different plan for me. And so, so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. All right. Well, outside of work, whenever you're not planning and whenever you're not trying to, you know, take these 90 degree turns, how do you relax? Like, how do you get your mind off of this constant grind of being an entrepreneur? Right. Um, it's kind of hard because where I work is also where I live doing a lot of editing at home. And then, you know, being at home, um, watch a lot of Netflix, play some video games, still Mm -hmm. playing Fortnite, even though a lot of people think that's dead. So that's, (laughs) that's my one way to connect with my college friends who aren't around or living near me anymore as we hop on and play, play Fortnite. Um, and then I also, my wife and I, we love to travel and that's something that we want to put an emphasis on. And that's one of the main reasons that we wanted to work for ourselves is to give us that schedule freedom and flexibility where Uh if we wanted to take a week off and travel that we could. Um, And so I would just say, honestly, relaxing, watching TV, video games. Like I said, I love sports and Lauren probably doesn't enjoy how much I have sports on the TV nights that she probably wants to hang out. Um, But yeah. Moving forward into looking at the future. I know you said you don't like to plan too far out, but as far as you can see, you like the entrepreneurial, you like being independent and that's something Mm -hmm. you'd like to keep doing. Yeah. And I would say that that's also a motivator for me is I love having the flexible schedule, um, and taking on jobs that I want. And I really love the work that I do. And I think that's a huge thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I would much rather, you know, make less money doing what I love than to be a CEO of a company making tons of money, but hate my job. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important to me. Um, and also, like I said, being able to travel at some point is huge. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I like that. Um, speaking of having flexible schedules and getting to be independent, we wouldn't get to do that if it weren't for sponsors like Hill Zion Records. If you're not familiar, Hill Zion Records is a record label based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and they produce a lot of actual family friendly rap. Now, believe it or not, it is possible. Um, they It's mostly a hip-hop label, but uh, it's a group of Christian artists that have come together to produce something that is actually edifying and, and it helps people feel, you know, like sometimes you're listening to music and you enjoy the beat, you enjoy everything about it, but it just makes you feel a little bit, it makes you feel good, but there's something about music that just takes you to a, a clear mindset and you feel like you can listen to it with family and it's not a big deal. And that's something that they're providing. So if you guys are interested, uh, we'll have a link to Hill Zion Records in the description below. Right now, they're working on some partnerships to continue to build their brand. They're going to be renovating their website here soon. And we're happy not only to have them as a sponsor, uh, but working forward to continue our partnership together where we'll be providing some media uh, services to them, such as photo, video, and a uh, number of other things. I love uh, doing the music videos, honestly. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, I haven't know. done any of those yet. but Okay. Yeah, uh, I was actually curious if you've done some short film or music video, anything. I know what we do is considered professional, but I mean the traditional Hollywood-esque right. professional. Have you done yeah. anything in that realm yet? Honestly, I have not. And I would say that that's what I would another goal of mine that I would like to get into. Um, I've done a few kind of plan shoots, storyboarded out, but a lot of the stuff like the real estate is just kind of a cookie cutter. I know the shots when you film the house and then the editing is pretty straightforward. But, um, and I would say that a lot of times whenever I travel and make videos of that, that's what I love the most when the creative juices can get flowing and I have all the creative freedom to do whatever I want. 
um, but don't have a ton of experience in that. And I know you recently had the had the film that won the awards. And yeah, we uh, entered. It was Abhishek Satam. We've had him on the podcast before. He's a great director. He phenomenal. I think his Facebook page has like twenty thousand followers now. Mm-hmm. Like he does really good work. And if you ever have the opportunity to work with him or alongside him, I recommend it. But uh, we entered a 48-hour film festival contest. He hired me for the cinematography. The The shots were good. Uh, sadly, we didn't win the cinematography award, but we did win uh, People's Choice Judges' second pick overall and then uh, Best Writing. And with that, if we had won first place for the judges, so second out of like 30, and that was the first one I've ever been a part of, but if we had won the first place, we would have got to go to the Keynes Film Festival. Oh, really? Yeah. That would have been awesome. I'm pretty sure they hold that in Spain, I believe. Uh, definitely in Europe, but I think it's in Spain. I think it's in France. Is it France? Yeah. Okay. It's, I think the French pronunciation is can because they also have a can media. Is it C-A-N-N-E-S? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's can. Per- ah, yep. wow. Yeah. That's my illiterate Midwest coming out, so... That's... I don't mean to put you on the spot Dude, on the cast. <laughs> your own podcast. No, it's okay. I'm learning, and there's nothing wrong with admitting whenever you don't know something. Uh, yeah, definitely in Europe. I've only I actually have been to Paris, uh, Paris, France, but I have not been to the Cannes right. Film Festival. Is, mm-hmm. is the S silent? Yeah, Cannes mm-hmm. Cannes Film Festival. All right. Okay. Well, well second uh, out of thirty for your first one. That's yeah. impressive. Thanks, man. Um, I highly do recommend. I highly recommend. If you get the opportunity to even participate unpaid mm-hmm. to work on either a short film or a music video, because we just, um, Abby, the guy that we worked together on the short film, we just did a music video that'll be releasing soon. He already announced it. it's for the Tiptonian. So uh, I don't know when that'll be out, but I've seen some of the advertising yeah. you've been doing for it. So yeah, the advertising has been pretty good. And um, his, it, the music was actually a really good song. It's always nice when you get paid to do something that's, enjoyable right you know? and uh, you're proud to promote it yeah, yeah. exactly yeah uh, every once in a while like for political ads and stuff like that i'll do them mm-hmm. um and i love the people but just for like my own like my own personality i don't like to get overly political unless i really believe in something so mm-hmm. there's certain clientele that they ask you not to share things and there's certain clients that you offer not to share things yeah right <laughs> yeah all right so Going back to you and the filmmaking or the, the the media development, what has been your biggest inspiration, you know, outside of you just figuring this out on your own through mm-hmm. college? Was there something that kind of pushed you in this direction growing up? Um, growing up, I'm not sh- I'm not sure about growing up. I would say YouTube, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many good creatives on YouTube, and that seems to be the platform now where you can go and learn anything and also consume a lot of really good content. Yeah. Um, one of the first ones, this may be cliche is Casey Neistat, Mm -hmm. uh, seen every one of his videos. And even though they're, they were just vlogs, he found a way to make them engaging and he found a way to make them aesthetically pleasing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's why he's so popular today among other stuff that he's done in the film industry. Um, but I would say inspiration people on YouTube, um, Peter McKinnon, just a lot of people who have distinct styles that I'm like, Hey, that looks really nice. I'm going to try and replicate that. Um, I would say that would be my biggest inspiration is just other creatives. And that's what I love about the creative industry too, is everyone seems to be really supportive. I've never, I've never met another creative who isn't. And I see all the time on social media, this stuff like create, don't hate. And I truly believe that that's so important in our industry is to encourage each other and help each other out 
Um, because at the end of the day, we're all just doing this. It's our passion. We love to do it. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah. Jumping on that YouTube trend for a minute. I don't know if you've heard, but so I, you said you mentioned like the heyday of YouTube. I don't know if that was on, I can't remember if it was on or off camera, but heyday of YouTube for me was like around like that 2012 mm -hmm. era. That was like when modern warfare was really big and yeah. all the, all the highlight videos. Uh, back then it wasn't about watch time. It was about views. So exactly, yeah. edgy content blew up. And then they changed it to about watch time. So you could still be edgy as long as your watch time was good. That's when people started pushing the 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. But then they had like some controversial videos popularized because of their algorithm uh, showing them towards the top. And that's when you had like the uh, YouTube adpocalypse. Yep. All the ad advertisers pulled out of YouTube, uh, which kind of hurt them. So they said, well, we want to be family friendly now. Which so all the content started getting shifted to family friendly content mm -hmm. as of like maybe the last like three or four years. Well, over in uh, actually in the USA, because um, it's a global company based out of the United States, there's some acts where Google's getting in trouble now and being sued over. Uh, uh, it's it's an insane amount of money they're getting sued right now for having information uh, from children because hmm. when I don't know when did you first started using YouTube a while ago probably like 2008 or 9 back so you, when the you, platform looked completely different you were pretty young like mm -hmm. you were probably younger than 13 at that point yeah right? yeah mm -hmm. well it's illegal for companies to have information and data stored from children under the age of eight, of 13 without like per parental consent and all that right um, so they've been having this data because kids either lie about their age or whatever reason and so they have all this data so their content went from being too edgy to too family friendly because it's all being advertised to kids. So content creators on YouTube that have been making kids content are no longer going to be allowed to get paid for, wow. their, for their media, right? So now you can't be too edgy. You can't be too family friendly. And they're actually going to, they talked about releasing an algorithm that'll determine whether or not your content is family, like intended for kids. Which I feel like never works because I've seen a <laughs> lot of creators be like, the algorithm's messed up. and Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. wow. I it, didn't know about that. Yeah, that's a, this is pretty new information. I just heard about this um, yesterday, actually. And uh, it, it's a real bummer because you're letting AI determine what's kid-friendly. Mm -hmm. So that includes animations because animations are cartoons. And yeah. like, allegedly, cartoons are for kids. So all of these inappropriate cartoons that are really like you know even south park's getting flagged as children's content now wow by the ai systems and it's like no this is definitely not for kids you should not let your kids watch yeah. south park <laughs> yeah they've been dealing with a lot lately um that's interesting every everyone's lied about their age i mean when you're filling out something oh, yeah. for a website or back when Facebook existed. That's what I was thinking of too. Then you see someone like their birthday and their 20, says they're turning 27 and you're like, you're actually only 20. So it's like, you know that they created their account and lied about their age. Oh yeah. But wow. Yeah. yeah. And it, it became really noticeable too. I don't know if you were single at the time or had any friends that were, but whenever Tinder first came out because it was linked with Facebook in order to verify ages, uh, a lot of people on there would say like in their description, my age is actually you know, 21 or 22 because it was tied to Facebook and people mm -hmm. would be lying. So it would say uh, their account was 30, but they're actually like 24 or people would inversely lie, proving the point that, you know, YouTube's getting sued for. And they yeah. would say that they're 22, but in reality, they're like eight, 17, 18. Wow. Yeah, no, I was, I was uh, dating at the time, so uh, I don't have any Tinder experience, but that's interesting. Yeah, man, it is. Uh, it's insane how much you can get away with if you just click a, a button and lie about your yeah. age. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I did not do that, nor did I ever interact with people that had. But um, I've definitely heard some horror stories of people that that get into those situations. Yeah, I right? can see how that's a <laughs> sticky situation. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, of course, uh, let's let's jump back on to because uh, I think. Is there anything else that you'd like to share about like the media side of things? I think we pretty much ran yeah, through it think, all quick. Yeah, I think pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about uh, talk about your wife a little bit. She stopped in here whenever whenever mm-hmm. you're coming in. Uh, you'd mentioned that she's an entrepreneur herself. What uh, what type of business? I know you mentioned like the ad advertising, but mm-hmm. is there anything else she's doing? Yeah. And so like I had mentioned uh, off camera, she had just started a candle company. Her and her sister. Her sister is a a, a high school student here at East. Um, and so they started making candles just for fun as a hobby. And my wife being my wife, her entrepreneurial mind, uh, wants to turn everything into a business and she's really good at it. She's had like three successful businesses while we're in college. Um, and she turned it into a business and it's been really successful, which has been crazy and awesome to see. We converted our unfinished basement into a, uh, full on candle factory and it's the busy time of the year with the holidays coming up. And so she's down there every day hand pouring these candles. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what she's up to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, with her background, has there, um, has there ever been a point where, because you had mentioned that you had like second thoughts about mm-hmm. going independent. Has she had similar thoughts as well? Or has um, she always been like, I can do this very, you know, headstrong? I, I think she's always been very headstrong. And if it w- if one thing wasn't working out, she was on to the next thing business wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she's always been, I'm not going to go work the nine to five typical, even though she has a very valuable degree from the Kelly School of Business. But I think that's what also helps her in her own businesses being so successful is she knows how to market them and then knows how to build the business that way. And that's so valuable nowadays, obviously with the industry we're in is, you know, marketing, advertising your business. Um, But I think she's always had that confidence and she just has such a knack for it. It's crazy. Yeah. Especially with like AI starting to develop a lot of the simpler jobs, like, and I don't mean this to like look down on it, but uh, driving from point A to B, like that's going to become automated quickly. Serving mm-hmm. food for the most part could be automated very quickly. But whenever it comes to marketing and advertising, anything that relies on creativity, I don't think robots will be able to comprehend that for significantly longer than a simple if then this that type of programming right. system, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, like you said, it's a valuable degree. I think moving forward in the future, degrees of creativity. Uh, the art school, even though they're kind of oversaturated right now, that might become like the new emerging market 10, 15 years mm-hmm. from now. Which will be interesting because the past few years you've heard that there's not enough tradespeople and we need more plumbers and electricians and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And that degrees are being devalued because a lot of people are going to college and a lot of people are majoring in things that maybe aren't the most you know, valuable as far as getting a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we definitely, I, I agree. I think we could see a shift of that becoming more like that. But I also think that I'm a big believer, even though I have a degree that college isn't for everyone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I wonder, like, I, I don't need a college degree to be doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that there's a lot of people and a lot of different avenues that you can take to get where you want to be. And I, I think that, um, I mean, obviously, if you want to get into certain fields like the medical field or science or whatnot, then obviously right. some things you need to have a degree in. 
Um, but I think that creative people just get out there and create and your work will speak for itself. I don't think sitting in a classroom necessarily, and you can learn anything online nowadays. I think that's so valuable. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, um, as far as learning goes, what has been the most beneficial from you? Because you had mentioned how big of an inspiration all these YouTubers were. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you learned a lot from there, but also the industry of uh, going to school, learning an actual uh, a skill set, and then get using that opportunity to go for internships. So mm -hmm. between, you know, internship, school, YouTube, friends and family, like what has been the most helpful in your opinion for your development? I think the internship was big because it really showed me how businesses are run and how dealing with clients is. Because when I worked, when I interned at the ad agency, it was all about um, dealing with clients, making sure they're happy. And it was very, it was all client based. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also think just running my own business and dealing with clients, I've learned more than I ever could have, I think, in school because you're just learning about it. They're not necessarily applying it. Mm -hmm. um, and I would say just the past six months of running my own business and dealing with clients daily and going on to the jobs, you learn so much just as a business person and someone who is in the service industry. What's the uh, what's the hat? 5 a.m.? Oh, 5 a.m. So I'll, I'll plug this. Uh, a few of my friends... Uh, back at IU, have a clothing brand, um, and Michael Bailing now a yeah. CW star. He is also a part of Five AM, the brand. Um, so I did a video shoot for them, a social promo for them, and they like they hooked me up with some merch. So yeah, always happy to uh, spread the word. Design at Five AM dot com. Design at Five AM dot com. Yep. Yeah, I, I I don't think I've ever met Michael Bailing in person, mm -hmm. but he was really good friends with uh, uh, Eddie Meyer. Yep. And uh, I know they hung out, they, they used to hang out quite a bit. And actually, Eddie just relocated to Texas. So mm -hmm. I think they're a little bit closer now. But he, he showed me this guy. He's like, you know, this guy went to school with us, right? It's like, what do you mean? And he like pulls up this kid from the CW with a couple, you know, like insane amount of followers. Yeah, and almost like half a million on Instagram, yeah. now, which is insane. Yeah. And the dude's like, an, like a model actor, you know, all around. Yeah. Seems and like I was guy. cutting his hair in high school. I was his personal barber. <laughs> Actually, I would literally go over to his house and cut his hair. So that's funny. Small. It's it's crazy to see where he's at now. Yeah, small world, man. That's yeah. that is really funny. Uh, okay, so <laughs> that's actually, I like the brand. So do you actually wake up at five a.m.? So that's another topic I could talk talk for for a few minutes. Um, I just bought a book called The Five A.M. Club by Robin Schwarma. Uh, my brother got me onto this and. Working from home, it's been hard to get into a routine like you don't have an office you get up and go into. And mm -hmm. so I've really been trying to focus in on getting into a routine, getting up earlier, making a schedule because I want to be as productive as possible throughout the day. Yeah. And it's really easy to slip into like turning the TV on or doing something else during the day when you're at home. Um, and the book is all about the benefits and productivity of getting up at 5 a.m. and kind of how it can be structured to be most beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just finished up that book and I just started that this week getting up at 5 a.m. So I will circle back with you and uh, after about a, a month of trial and see how it's going. Yeah. I'm actually a, a member of the 4 a.m. club. Really? Yeah. I respect that. Yeah. That's... Basically, I wake up at noon and I work until 8 p.m., 9 p.m. And then I hang out with my family until around 11 or 12. 
So you're not getting any sleep. And then I stay up till 4 a.m. And then I go to bed at 4 and wake back up at 11. Now see, I'm a big believer in getting eight hours of sleep, so I got to make sure I get my sleep. What was that, four? I mean, that's that's like seven hours of sleep. It yeah. depends on when I go to bed and when I wake up. But it's usually around seven or eight hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I actually really enjoy that. I don't know. I'm definitely not a morning person, but uh, I think... There's actually a diagram online showing a lot of creative people throughout history and what their work-life balance was Mm -hmm. and it's a it's a a Timeline of what their average day would be and some you know would wake up at the 3 or 5 a.m Something crazy early. They'd be going to bed at 6 to 8 p.m I guess it really depended on their geography too because it gets dark Mm -hmm. at 7 o'clock here now but uh, some of them, you know, they would be they were all creative individuals so it's like uh, a, a da Vinci, uh, you know, very, very famous uh, creators. Uh, and some of them, you know, would work for three hours a day. Mm-hmm. And most of their time is leisure or social. And the other ones would work religiously uh, and take one meal a day. You know, and it's just interesting to see how all these famous people throughout history had such a unique uh, like life schedule, whether mm-hmm. you're waking up at 3 a.m. or at noon. Some of them are just a bunch of party boys like Ben Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, I I used to think I was a morning person, and then since I moved to Indy, I would set my alarm early, and then it's just, it's hard to get up when you make your own schedule, um, but I would say I'm definitely, especially throughout college, I would always prefer to go to bed early and wake up at like 5 or 6 a.m. and study for a test that's that day, then stay up till like 3 a.m. Okay. studying. So I've always felt more productive in the morning. It's just the execution yeah. of it. Yeah, I, that's a really interesting. So yours is more based around productivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like I feel most creative also in the morning whenever I'm working on stuff. And I found that out even just in the past couple of weeks uh-huh. trying this out as opposed to late at night when there's more. For me, there's way more distractions. There's just something peaceful about getting up before the sun rises and Mm -hmm. like making a cup of coffee and going in and starting editing or or whatnot um that's just appealing to me yeah Uh, uh, so whenever i was um i I had a late night project one night and normally at that at that point in my life i was going to bed at like 11 or 12 nothing crazy Mm -hmm. um and i would stay up for these late night projects where a client wanted something last minute or, or something of that nature and i would work really late and i noticed i would get very creative because and I it intrigued me so I started doing research like why are people more creative at night type of questions on Google mm-hmm. uh, and basically the thing in your brain that prevents you from doing stupid stuff starts to dissolve whenever you get tired that's the first thing to go in most huh. people so the thing that stops you from doing stupid things is also the thing that stops you from having stupid ideas oh, once okay. that's gone like if you go out to a club and and you start drinking you don't really care how you dance anymore. You're just going to go out and dance with your friends, right? Right. So whenever you're up late at night and the very first thing to go is the thing that prevents you from doing dumb things, you get really creative because you're trying all these new, unique and new techniques. And I was like, how do I replicate this? Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be sleep deprived my whole life. Like, how do I, how do I replicate this? And I started searching and the internet's response was, it's the same effects of alcohol. Oh yeah. So <laughs> either you can be sleep deprived or an alcoholic and that'll somehow make you more creative. It's just the lesser of two evils at that point. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, I am definitely, uh, I used to be sleep deprived. Like I would work just ridiculous hours because I want to be productive like mm-hmm. yourself. 
Um, but since then, I basically, anytime I, it doesn't matter when I go to bed, I don't really have a bad, you know, a, a curfew, right? Yeah. So whenever I go to sleep, I just set my alarm eight hours from then. Okay. So whatever time, and that way, whenever I get up, I feel well rested and I'm ready to start. Mm-hmm. And I think the hardest part for people uh, when it comes to sleeping in as an American is you feel lazy mm-hmm. and then getting over that stigma of I, as long as I'm getting enough sleep and I have a healthy life, if I'm working the rest of the day and being productive, it, it shouldn't matter if right. you're sticking to the, the hit, was it the, the Ford's model of nine to five, 40 hour work weeks. Mm-hmm. Cause before that it was just whenever the sun came up. Yeah. I, I think that America has a lot to learn from other countries as well, as far as work-life balance. And I think that uh-huh. kind of falls into that category, um, which is another thing, a benefit of that we get to enjoy of having our own businesses creating our own schedules yeah. um but yeah definitely interesting hey, you said you like to travel you and your wife do that together this is mm-hmm. something you guys can share uh whenever you guys travel have you guys been out of country yet have you we uh, have yeah so we've been to the dominican republic um and we're looking at our eyes are on europe for a little like two-week european vacation mm-hmm. uh, for a 10-year dating anniversary which is 2020 so we'll see if that actually happens um depending on, you know, getting the money together to go to Europe and spend two weeks there. Um, but we've been to Hawaii, so we've been out of the continental U.S. Um, and so, yeah, that's our that's our goal. I definitely want to get out of the country. The Dominican Republic, I didn't know what was going to top that. I didn't think Hawaii would top that. But Hawaii does nothing compares, as far as I'm concerned, like a beach town that I've been to to Hawaii it was yeah you 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 don't expect there to be real mountains there but Mm -hmm. there is um so that was an awesome trip yeah and that's the beauty of traveling in general is you like it's you want to build like a dream home or something well the best way to figure out what your dream home is is to see a bunch of homes Mm -hmm. you know if you want to find a dream location to live visit a lot of places right yeah and every place is so unique so like you're saying like a perfect beach town I've been to South Beach, Miami. I think that's a perfect beach town, but mm-hmm. that's because I haven't been to Hawaii yet, right? right? And you haven't been to Santorini, Greece, nope. like the, the the islands or Lesbos or anything yeah. like that, right? So there's uh, every time you visit someplace, it's like there's an aspect of it that you really enjoy and mm-hmm. you want to take away from it. Yeah, and I think also as far as traveling, you know, our generation is valuing travel and experiences way more than material objects. And because uh, we can't afford anything. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, sometimes I feel guilty for like going on trips and traveling, but that's just what my wife and I want to make a priority. And I see my neither of my parents have traveled out of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never really took trips. Um, I ne- we never really went on family vacations when I was growing up either. Um, and so they're like, wow, you're traveling a lot. And it's like, yeah, well, I'm also not buying a ton of crap that's just going to go in my basement, which we've realized we did, we had three garage sales for my parents who are trying to move out of their house. And it's just all the stuff you accumulate. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely something interesting, I think, with our generation. I don't, I don't know about you. Yeah. Um, Actually, me and my fiance uh, have very similar views on that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'd rather spend more money on the honeymoon than the wedding. Yeah. Right. It's not about the price, but it's just... If we had the options, like we'd rather do like a courthouse and then spend the rest mm-hmm. of the year traveling if we could. Yeah. But of course, that's, you know, you got to find a healthy balance with it, too. Yeah. And sometimes Lauren and I have talked about, should we have just eloped, like go out to 
uh, Colorado or something on top of a mountain and just had a really small wedding, but you know, can't go back in time now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I mentioned that to her. Maybe she'll change her mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's, uh, we're actually starting to come to an end here and we're going to rattle off some quick questions for you. As far as what it is that you do, whether that be why you went to school and now you don't work at a full-time job, uh, about media, about working with companies, about being independent, working from home, what is the question you get either the most often or the pe- the question people have the most misunderstanding about? Um, what do you do? Believe it or not, like <laughs> a lot of people don't understand um, and a lot of family members and sometimes my parents can't even explain, but I would just say... Um, kind of kind of that and i mean at the end of the day i would just say i'm a videographer Mm -hmm. um so yeah oddly enough that's that's kind of the question i get most yeah and then earlier you mentioned that your advice uh was just go out do things practice practice Mm -hmm. practice Uh, what is that the one that you want to stand by or do you have another piece of advice that you'd like to give to people that are interested in either pursuing media or independence or Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial I mean, along those lines, I think that the most valuable piece of advice I could give is just go out and do it. Building the experiences and the knowledge that you get of going and creating Mm -hmm. and the portfolio that you build is going to become so valuable. And I think you learn more just going out and doing it than trying to learn or figure out things, whatever. I, I just think that it's so important to just do it, put your mind to it. Ain't nothing to it but to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, whatever helps motivate you, man, whatever yeah. helps you get you there, whether that's the 5am, whether that's listening mm-hmm. to some good music, um, you know, uh, having a supportive, a good support system, whether it be a wife or a family. Yeah, that helps a lot too. Yeah, yeah whatever, whatever helps you get there, man, find that support system and then just kind of mm-hmm. rely on it a little bit. Um, but I, is there anything else that you want to share? Any last words or anything like that? Um, not that I can think of. I'm not the most interesting person. I was a little surprised you wanted me on the podcast. Uh, it's, um, it's intended to promote creative and innovators. I think your work's really good. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, you as well. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we still got to collab on something. So I, I, I really. So the thing is, when I we're at the brink, where like you had said, you want to become pickier with your jobs. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to do free jobs anymore. Like mm-hmm. I'm at the point where I have the portfolio. I can charge for them. But the thing is, I really love working with artists. I love working on music videos. And that's what I want to do the most at the moment. But artists usually are broke because mm-hmm. they're artists. Yeah. You know? So it's hard to find uh, somebody that does music that pays well for for a music video. But if uh, if anyone's watching and you, and you know of a, a good musical group, music band, uh, a rapper, anything like that, that you think uh, would be interested in some music video work, I want to do one very badly uh, that I get a direct and that I get a run because I've worked alongside of directors and I love working with them. But there's just something about like making a project your own. Right. Right now, um, uh, Dad Baby, I don't know if you've seen any of his work. I haven't, but I've heard of him. He's okay. very popular right well, now. He is very popular, but I started binge watching all of his music. Now, if you're a good, <laughs> a good Christian boy, I don't recommend watching some of them. <laughs> but I, I do really like him because... In his music videos, they're always directed by a, a team called Real Goat, and it's R-E-E-L, like movie Real mm-hmm. Goat. And, uh, you know, Goat stands for the greatest of all time. So, like, they are considering themselves, like, really good uh, directors and really good cinematographers. They have a great team, and I really love the direction that they take their music videos. It's very creative and very unique, and I want to... Um, 
you asked you what your goals were i think one of mine is to at least try some more music video work you know mm -hmm. and i want to i would love for you know to come on and after seeing your work for um uh the wedding video like your your gimbal work and uh a lot of the smoothness of the shots it's like i think that's something that could be brought to low budget music videos mm -hmm. just to make them feel like everything's you know so much more rich and so much more expensive yeah. right and you can do that now nowadays like with the with like camera equipment is expensive but mm -hmm. you know if you get a good person behind the camera and editing and you can yeah. you can really make a, a music video stand oh, out yeah. but yeah it's amazing like a good editor can you can make almost anything salvageable mm -hmm. like at a certain point uh, it's just a matter of being creative with it yeah absolutely all right if um, people are interested in, in reaching out to you, finding your work, or you know, just asking you questions, where where might they be able to do that? Yeah, so you can check out my website at www.evilmedia.com, uh, facebook.com slash evilmedia, or Instagram. I'm a little more laid back on Instagram. Just post a lot of uh, a lot of pictures and lot of like travel. Sh short clips. Yeah, a lot of travel. Yeah. And now that I'm doing stuff for IU basketball and football, posting a lot of those clips on there. So that's just at evilmedia um and indie based so if anybody is watching or listening to this and wants to collab up in indie i'm always down yeah so. all right well that wraps up this episode if you guys are interested and in checking out his work now you have those links if you are interested in becoming a sponsor like hill zion records to help support this show and help support local creators innovators uh within the region um if you want to just help support what it is that we're doing if you're interested in uh, working with our companies, like both of us are doing media production, ours is primarily Columbus region. And then uh, lastly, if you know of anybody that might be a great guest, someone that you think is extremely creative or innovative and you wanna see them grow, develop, and get a little more notoriety and publicity that you think they deserve, we'd be happy to have them on here. Uh, more people like uh, Colin Ebel here, yeah? I appreciate it. Yeah, all right, man. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Give me, give me, yeah, yeah, yeah right there. And I hope you guys have a good rest of your day too. Peace. See ya. Mm -hmm.